Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, what we call Easter, is the single most important event in all of history. Now, I recognize that a lot of people will say, so what? Um, What difference does Easter make and how does that apply to me? And and honestly, if, if Jesus is alive or dead, so what? Who cares? Something that happened over 2,000 years ago really doesn't have any, any impact or any meaning for, for me today. And so I think that it's important that we discuss and we understand why Easter matters. And it's interesting that just uh, a few decades after Jesus ascended, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, they were already asking, what does it matter? Why, why does it matter? And in fact, in 55 AD, when the Apostle Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians, that's, this is one of the things that he addresses in, in the, his letter, is why Easter matters. And he didn't term it like that, but that's exactly what he's saying. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 12, Paul writes, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. We apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is uh, only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Now, Paul is telling them, in essence, that, that Jesus's resurrection from the dead is really the cement, the, the glue that holds our faith together. That if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then everything that we believe, everything that we hold on to is, is empty. It's useless. It's, it's, it has no value whatsoever. He also is saying that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then Paul and every other person who teaches about Jesus and teaches the resurrection are nothing but a bunch of liars. And that humanity remains in a a state of of sin, that that, um, there is no redemption, there is no salvation. And therefore, everybody is eternally doomed. And he doesn't stop even there. He also says that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then everyone that has ever believed uh, 
everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. In other words, people like us, we are just a bunch of doofuses. We are, we are just pitiful, miserable people for believing such a hoax, for believing such a lie. Now, the good news is Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't leave them or us hanging. But in verse 20, he says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So again, what I want to tackle is what difference does Easter make? How does the resurrection of Jesus that happened over 2,000 years ago matter for us today? Well, the very first thing that I want to bring out is the fact that our sins are forgiven. Now, I don't think there's probably a person alive that at some point or another wouldn't like to have a do-over on some mistakes they've made, on, on some problems that they, they've had in life. You know, to, to have, in golfing terms, a mulligan, to, to be able to, to do it again and correct mistakes that they've had. Now, there is this condition that affects all of us that the Bible calls sin. Now, we tend to think when we hear that word sin, we tend to think that it's, it's just my failures or my problems or my bad decisions. And yes, it is that, but really sin is part of our nature. It is who we are. We are sinners by nature. And what sin means is that we are anything less than perfect. Now, I realize that there are some people who think they are perfect. The rest of us know they're not, but they think they are. But the reality is, is that God is perfect. God is absolutely perfect. And because we are not perfect, we are constantly, by our very nature, in conflict with God. We are out of step with God. We can't be in relationship with God because of his perfection. And this shows the, the love that God has for each and every one of us by the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, the whole point of his death on the cross was so that we could, could be set free from our sins. He is a substitute for my wrong and your wrong. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was being punished for the sin that is mine and the sin that is yours. That shows God's great love for us. And had Jesus died on the cross and then got buried and didn't rise from the dead, then he wouldn't have been any different than anybody else that's ever lived. But the resurrection of Jesus from the dead changes everything. That's why I started by saying it is the single greatest event in all of history. Now, 
In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, You were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self. But God gave you a new life together with Christ. He forgave all of our sins. Because we broke God's laws, we owed a debt, a debt that listed all of the rules we failed to follow. But God forgave us of that debt. He took away and took it away and nailed it to the cross. You see, Jesus paid the full penalty for our sins. When he became the perfect, sinless sacrifice offered up on the cross. Now, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we submit to him to be our savior, but he also becomes our boss, our Lord, the king, if you will, of our lives. And when we do that, we can have the same assurance that the apostle Paul spoke of in Romans chapter eight, verse one. He says, so now anyone, catch that, anyone, that means you, that means the dirtiest, rottenest, most horrible person that ever lived on the face of the earth, if that person will accept Jesus Christ into their life, then anyone who is in Christ Jesus is not judged guilty. That means we're set free from the sin that, that is in our lives. So the, the very first thing that the resurrection means for us today is that we are set free of our sins. The second thing that Easter, the difference that Easter makes is that our lives take on a new purpose, a greater purpose. Now, God had a purpose for Jesus coming to this earth and dying on the cross. Jesus said in John chapter 12, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Paul wrote in Romans 5 verse 8, but Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And by this, God showed how much he loves us. And again, Paul wrote in Romans 10, verse 9, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It was God's purpose for Jesus to die on the cross so that through his death, all who believe in him will be saved. And it was because Jesus rose from the dead that our faith in him is not empty. It's not useless. But instead, our, our faith can be alive and vital, and we are given eternal life. And another word for eternal life is going to heaven. Now, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, he promised us not only eternal life, but he promised us an abundant life right now. Jesus said in John 10, 10, my purpose is to give life in all of its fullness or to give us abundant life. So Jesus came not only to forgive our sins and to give us eternal life, you know, go to heaven, but he, he gave us an, he gives us an abundant life now. 
He wants us to live a life that is full, that is meaningful, that has purpose, has value. The reality is, is that most people never take advantage of that. Most people never realize the abundant life that God is offering. They get up in the morning, they go to work, they come home, they eat dinner, maybe watch some TV or sit there and scroll on Facebook for hours on end. And then they go to bed and they repeat that. And all of a sudden, five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 30 years go by and that life has just passed by. That's, that's not life, and that's certainly not an abundant life. Other people take a more indulgent route, maybe, um, you know, and, and that's that they, they pursue all of the pleasures that they can out of life. They, they live a life of self-serving where they're, they're driven to, to squeeze as much as they can out of, out of life. The problem is, is that doesn't satisfy beyond the moment. You're always having to move on to the next thrill. You're always having to move on to, to the next thing. God created us to have purpose and value that matters, that has eternal significance. This may surprise you. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us, a specific plan and a purpose. He didn't just make you to go to work and to have kids. There's more, there's nothing wrong with either one of those, by the way. I don't want to send that message, but, but the reality is, is that a lot of people just are on automatic pilot. And, and the reality is, is God wants you to have a, a valuable life that your life made a difference. The, the world is a better place from an eternal standpoint because you were in it, because you followed God's plan. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, God planned for us to do good things and to live as he always wanted us to live. That's why he sent Christ to make us what we are. What's being communicated in that verse is that we are in essence like a work of art, if, if you want to think of it that way, that you are God's unique work of art. God has a plan for your life and, and one that he wants to fulfill, a plan that will thrill you and satisfy you, satisfy your deepest desires. And again, the, the tragedy is that most people never realize the the abundant life that God wants to give you. I, I think of it like driving a car that is out of alignment. If you've ever driven a car where the alignment's messed up, if you take, it's constantly trying to pull one direction or another. It's constantly trying to, to take a different path. And that's, that's very much what we do to God without realizing it. We're, we're constantly pulling against God's will and God's purpose. And until we come to a place where we submit to God and we say, you know, what's the song? Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, and, until we come to a place where we say, God, I give up control and I want you to guide my life. Then uh, until that happens, we're constantly in friction with God. 
Acts 20, verse 24 says, but life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Notice that life is worth nothing. The work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. Did you know that you could be, from a worldly standpoint, the most successful person that ever lived? But if you are not fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life, you are a failure from God's standpoint. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how powerful you are or how famous you become or, or any of those status things. Doesn't matter at all if you don't fulfill God's purpose for your life. Now, the question becomes, how, how do you make that happen? Well, God wants to fill your life with himself so that you can have maximum joy and be as productive as possible. And, and, and so how do you do that? With power, the power of Jesus Christ in you. Listen to um, John chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. It says, the father loves me because I give my life. I give my life so that I can get it back again. No one takes my life away from me. I give my own life freely and I have the right to give my life and I have the right to get it back again. This is what the father told me. Now, what I want for us to draw from that is that Jesus submitted to God's plan, God's purpose, God's will for his life. God's plan for his life was for Jesus to go to the cross. Because Jesus was obedient to God, even to the point of death, God gave him power. God used him in a significant way. The resurrection of Jesus proves the power of Jesus. He he demonstrated power over death and demonstrated power over all of the sins that were heaped upon him. You know, the religious leaders of the day, they mocked Jesus saying, hey, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. But Jesus had even greater plan, a, a, a something more powerful to demonstrate who he was. He let the Romans nail him to the cross and kill him. Then they placed him in a tomb and they sealed that tomb and they guarded it. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. It, and, and when Jesus came back to life, he proved who he said he was all along. He proved that he was God in the flesh. Now, here's the thing for you to understand. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available in your life. Think about that. Isn't that an amazing thought that the same power that brought Jesus to life again and blew the door off of the tomb is available in your life? 
Ephesians 1 says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. So now not only do we have a God-given purpose for our lives, but Jesus has given us his incredible power so that he can live through us and that we can do tremendous acts on, on God's behalf or him working through us. It's, and from a personal basis, it's the power to change what we can't change ourselves. Our bad habits, our hangups, our hurts. It's the power to let go of guilt and anger and grief that keeps us stuck living in the past. It's the power to forgive those who have wronged us. It's the power to love our enemies. It's the power to keep on going when we want to quit. The Apostle Paul said it this way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Now, along with the power of Christ, we also have the promises of God that to, to live according to his promises. Do you know that there are over 8,000, 8,000 promises in the Bible that God has made to each and every one of us? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible is full of promises, and this is a statement that Jesus makes. What he's saying here, and, and this is so significant, Jesus is saying that there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. A lot of times people think, well, as long as I, I, I believe something sincerely, then God will, God will honor that. No, Jesus says, you come through me alone. Jesus, further backing up who he is and the power of who he is, he said in John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What Jesus is communicating, and, and there's no, no stepping around it, is that Jesus is the means of salvation. It's not that he's the means of salvation for us in America, but somewhere else they have some other means of salvation. Jesus is and will only always be and only be the only means of salvation, period. And Easter is the proof that God keeps his promises. You know, what I think is really at heart, the question that, that has to be dealt with is, is God trustworthy? Can we trust God? And that's a question that each of you has to answer for yourselves. You know, I think there's a lot of people who they want to believe but at the same time, they're thinking, I don't know that God has my best interest at heart. I'm not sure that God is good all of the time. 
And because I think that that's something that a lot of people deal with next Sunday, this is an advertisement. See, um, you know how you're watching a program and all of a sudden there's an advertisement that, and it's like, oh man, next Sunday, April 11th, I'm going to preach a message that I hope answers the question, is God really good all the time? And I hope that if, if that's something you'll wrestle, you wrestle around with, that you'll, you'll come back. Is God good all the time? And, th and that's a question that each of us has to, to have answered in our lives because you can't trust God if you don't really believe he's good all the time. Now, Moses wrote this in Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man. He will not lie. God is not a human being. Being His decisions will not change. If he says he will do something, then he will do it. If he makes a promise, then he will do what he promised. Again, what is at the heart of the Christian faith is this simple question. Do you believe God has your best interest at heart? When he calls you to, to not just believe some facts, you know, we, we know stuff about George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, but we don't know him. We know stuff about Jesus, but do you know him? And what you have to answer is, do you do you understand and do you agree that God has a say over your life? And if you answer yes, I, I believe because God is God, he has authority over my life, then you have, you have to submit to his authority over you. You, you know, are, are you willingly obeying him and are you willingly following him? Jesus is dealing with this very subject when he, he makes this promise. He says, I assure you, anyone who hears what I say and believes in the one who sent me has eternal life. They will not be judged. They have already passed from death and entered into life. So it's no surprise when, when I say that everybody is going to die at some point. And I'm not trying to bring things down here, but too often people act like they're going to live forever and they, they don't think about what happens when this life comes to an end. But if I can say something without sounding too harsh, it's not very smart to not think this through and to answer whether or not you have eternity squared away. Do you understand who God is and what God is asking of you. Do you believe that God has the right to claim your life and, and has a claim on your life? And if he does, then you must submit to him. The writer of Hebrews says in 927 that it has been appointed to everyone a time to die and afterwards stand in judgment before God. Well, if we... If we're going to stand before God, then we need to know whether or not God, you know, whether we're right to stand before him, whether we're prepared to stand before him. And this leads me to the last point. Because of Jesus's resurrection, our future is secure. When people are surveyed and asked, 
um, it, are you going to heaven? Most people, the most common answer is, I hope so. Isn't that something that we need to be 100% sure of? Most people base their answers on wrong information, on, on wrong motives, on, on misunderstandings. But the Bible says that we have been saved in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We have been saved by grace because you believe you did not save yourself. It was a gift from God. You are not saved by the things you have done. So there is nothing that you can boast about. There's only one right way to enter into heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Any other way is a false way. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to people, but that way leads only to death. Some people believe that, well, I'm, I'm religious, so that's good enough. You know, that I've prayed a prayer or I've, I've joined a church or I've done certain rituals. There's no salvation in that. The only salvation is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, some people believe that, well, I'm better than this guy. At least I haven't done that. So they, they think that somehow it's a comparison thing. But again, we need to understand, Paul, as Paul wrote in Romans, we have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. There is no comparison because all of us don't measure up. Salvation and eternal life with God come only through having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. John 17 verse 3 says, And this is eternal life, that people can know you, the only true God, and they can know Jesus Christ, the one you sent. Also in 1 Peter verse, or chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has great mercy, and because of His mercy, He gave us a new life. This new life brings us a living hope through Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. Salvation isn't about what we know, it's about who we know, Jesus Christ. So what difference does Easter make? Because Jesus died and rose from the dead, our sins are forgiven. We have a purpose to live for, to live out. And through the power and the promises of Christ, our eternal future is secure in heaven. Easter is a life-changing message that we can have a brand new life and eternity with God. And that's because what Jesus did on the cross and he rose again from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation. It is nothing that any of us had anything to do with. All we can do is say, yes, please. I want that. I recognize that I am a sinner, that I fall short and that only Jesus can save me. I believe, Jesus, that you rose from the dead, and it is because of that we are free from our sins. Thank you. All the glory is yours. 
And I just want to pray right now for every person in this room and everybody that's going to be or is watching online. Father, I I pray that you will draw them into a, a, a clarity and an understanding that only you can give. Lord, I pray that my words will disappear and only the message from your Holy Spirit will speak to people's hearts and lives. Help them to understand where they stand with you. And Father, for those individuals who don't know you in a personal way, please help them to to recognize they need you desperately. Thank you, Father. All glory is yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.